Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, Alabama gets out of Columbia with the 47-23 conference road win. There are some concerns coming out of the weekend, but let's start with the positive. I wanted to put in perspective how fast Henry Ruggs is. When he caught the ball on his 81-yard touchdown Saturday, he had two defenders two yards behind him. (laughs) He had one defender two yards in front of him, another defender about four yards ahead of him with, with an angle, and then a safety about 10 yards out who had a definitive angle that six players who could have potentially made that play, none of them did. Yep. Uh, it's almost like that boy fast. <laughs> <laughs> there, there have been rumors that Henry Ruggs ran a laser-timed 4.1940 during testing over the summer. Yeah, I mean, apparently there was some official scouts and stuff there, but, uh, you know, even outside of that, the Atlanta Falcons game, this most recent one, Julio Jones hit 20 miles an hour on that touchdown run. Mm-hmm. Well, Ruggs hit 24 miles an hour against South Carolina. That's pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, he, he was clocked at 24.3 miles per hour. He said that was his third fastest time recorded at Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> we have a pal, Christian, who, who you can find on Twitter. His handle is at SabinFoe. He looked into the NFL's next-gen stats. The fastest speed recorded over the past two NFL seasons was Cordero Patterson at 22.23 miles per hour on a kick return. Henry Ruggs was clocked at a full two miles per hour faster than that. In the past four NFL seasons, the fastest recorded time was by Tyreek Hill, who was running 23.2 miles per hour. Do you know how fast you have to be to run a full mile per hour faster than than Tyreek Hill's fastest time. Tyreek Hill's nickname is Cheetah. Mm-hmm. It must suck to be slow. <laughs> I decided to, to go even further with this. So I wanted to know how fast he was in comparison to Usain Bolt. Oh, God. The, the, fa- the fastest man to ever live, okay? And Usain Bolt, you're going to be surprised by this, by the way. In Usain Bolt's fastest 100 meter ever, he, he won gold in the World Championships in Berlin in 2009. He topped out at 27.8, which is, which is hard to even fathom, by the way. Yeah. But his average speed in that race, and this is his fastest 100 ever, was 23.35 miles per hour. Henry Ruggs' third fastest time recorded at Alabama, third, was a mile per hour faster than Usain Bolt's average speed in the fastest 100 he ever ran. Yeah, I actually read something a few years back, and I think the uh, the average leg muscles of a human's only meant to sustain full speed for under thirty yards, and that's what makes uh, Usain such a freak to be able to run that fast that long. Mm-hmm. But still, regardless, I mean, you even just talk about top end, you know, or forty to sixty yard burst. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous of what this kid does, and he's still got the rest of this year to be able to, you know, build on top of that. And I don't know, man, it's going to be pretty interesting at the combine uh, to see officially what he can do. Oh, I cannot wait for that 40 time. Let's stick with the offense. We know Tua is Tua. He's been about as close to perfect as you can be. The opening drive Saturday, I don't know if you if you remember it vividly. It was a thing of beauty. You saw look-offs by Tua. The O-line looked like they showed up to make a statement to open the game. Uh, Najee Harris had some successful moments. It wasn't all as sm- smooth after that drive, but Steve Sarkeesian, I thought, d- deserved some recognition for that. Oh, anytime the running back scores on a wheel route, man, that's the thing of beauty. <laughs> yeah, 
And, and after that first series, though, the O-line in part struggled some, most notably Chris Owens. Two things really concerned me. I'm not sure if this came from a lack of confidence in the run and run blocking or, or if so- Steve Sarkeesian just maybe felt more comfortable putting the ball into his hands. But at the beginning of the second quarter, the offense had a first and goal. We saw three straight pass plays. Then again, at the end of the third quarter, they couldn't get the running game going in the red zone. That's concerning to me. It's still progress because it's not a freaking jet sweep and first and goal. So, <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, we got we to get the little wins here. But no, I mean, it, I thought going into this game, the run game would be better consistently. We still have not seen that yet. And I'm hoping like hell we get some things tweaked going into uh, the, the following week from now because we're going to need that on the road. So hopefully uh, we can get some things working. I mean, it, it's just not been consistent, I guess, at the end of the day. One thing I do know, like you're a baseball, you're a baseball guy, right? You you know, do you know the Wally Pip story? No. Okay. Basically, in the mid 1920s, Wally Pip, who was w- one of the better home run hitters of the dead ball era, he goes down with an injury. The guy who stepped in and replaced him was named Lou Gehrig. Uh, Wally Pip never played for the Yankees again. If the first three games of this season have told me anything, it's that Deontay Brown will not be Wally Pipped. Well, then of course you expect uh, some of us real Southerners to know anything about the Yankees. So, uh, okay. you know, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I agree, man. Look, I am, I am so damn ready for some cornbread, man. I mean, oh, my me God, bring his ass. We need it. Yeah. Hey, they get him back after the Southern Miss game <laughs> this weekend and they need him. They need him in the run game. It hasn't all been bad, but three straight games of inefficiencies and in parts of the offensive line, that's that's no longer a coincidence. Would you agree? I think that, that is a trend now. No, for sure. Absolutely is. Yeah. So getting a proven Mahler back I, will help cure that, surely. Uh, I hope so, man. I mean, because <laughs> again, I mean, that's going to be, it's going to be a big problem in, a, in an upcoming game two weeks from now or a week and a half from now. So, yeah. Speaking of getting the Wally Pip treatment, Jake Bentley, he should probably start looking <laughs> for his uh, grad transfer school. Because yeah, if Ron Holinsky's there, he's starting. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, dude, uh, he did do the old uh, chunk some shit up. You know, <laughs> let's, let's Bon Jovi this thing and live on a prayer. But, uh, you know, he also had some good throws. And he also had a couple key balls that didn't quite make it to the receiver, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, look, as a true freshman against Alabama in a game like that, you know, you, you got to take it for granted here when you're looking at what he did. And, and to me, he had a hell of a game overall. I mean, South Carolina, that game plan they put together, they let it all hang out. They put it on the table, oh, you they, know, and, and props to them because that score is not indicative of truly what they exposed throughout this game. If you were able to check it out and they did something that it's been a very long time that has been done to Alabama, which is have somebody throw for over 350 yards, have somebody on the ground rush for more than 100 yards. That's not good. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Uh, let me ask you this real quick. There are two true freshman quarterbacks starting in the SEC, Ryan Helensky, Bo Nix. Both guys were top five overall quarterback prospects last cycle. Both have sort of ignited their fan base to an extent, and we've kind of seen very little out of each with it only being a few games in. So the data is kind of limited. If you have your pick, who do you choose to build a team around between those two? Oh, man. I mean, it's so tough. I mean, what kind of offense are you going to run? Because honestly, you can flip-flop them, put Bo in South Carolina and, you know, put Ryan down there. I bet they're different quarterbacks, mm-hmm. you know. That's the problem. Uh, honestly, in terms of raw skill, I'd probably take Bo Nix. Yeah. Um, in my opinion. So. 
Yeah, I think both are going to be uh, pretty miserable to play against in probably two years. Oh, uh, shit. Even by, the, by the end of this year. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, hang on, we still got that game in November. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's probably going to be miserable this this year. But uh, I mean, I think Ryan Holinsky, even in limited time, his quarterback ratings higher, his completion percentage is at almost at seventy right now. Which Bo Nix is right; he's flirting with fifty. Oh, if it's just if it's just shy of seventy, that means he's still got a, a very nice number uh, <laughs> uh, for completion percentage. Yeah, uh, their touchdown to interception ratio is the same, and mostly for me right now. And like I said, it's only a couple games, but it's kind of the eyeball test. Helensky to me looks a little better. One more point offensively, we'll move on. I'm starting to wonder if we'll see Keelan Robinson emerge as RB3 and maybe earn a larger role as the season goes on. He looks like the most aggressive runner on the roster right now. Yeah, I think I think we have to. You know, I don't understand with Najee why he's the most bipolar runner in terms of wanting to hit the hole. Yeah. You know, it, it is the damnedest thing to me. It's almost like when he wants to run the way he's actually capable of running, he'll do it. Other than that, I mean, hell, his average is still pretty good, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, he's just – He's not playing up to what consistency he should be able to do, and that that's disappointing, especially for some of us out here who's been, tout, uh, you know, toting his water for a while. So <laughs> that's your boy. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not giving up on him. I'm just being a hard dad here, you yeah. know. Yeah. But uh, no, Keelan, absolutely got to start entering that speed and just, I mean, that effort. I mean, he's hungry. Yeah, Najee is a very confusing running back for sure, but it, it looks like Keelan's passed Jerome Ford on the depth chart. It really wouldn't shock me to see him start to kind of eat, eat into those carries for the two ahead of him. Alabama seemingly hit a grand slam at running back this last cycle with Keelan Robinson and Trey Sanders. Like from, from what we heard leading into the year, Trey Sanders was everything that he was made out to be as a prospect. Those two are, are going to lead a strong group going forward. For sure. I mean, it's a shame what happened to Trey because, man, Najee yeah. would be on such a short leash right now. I mean, mm-hmm. it'd be unreal. That it, We'd have a great rotation to offset this inefficiency at offensive line. Defensively, the youth in the middle reared its ugly head Saturday. Game one had alleviated some of those concerns for me. <laughs> Game three did, did not. It brought them all back. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's like, seriously, this team is uh, sponsored by Valium because uh, we need some. Yeah, Uh, we could, I mean, you couldn't expect to go without some bumps along the way. Christian Harris really struggled. He he was pulled. He was replaced with Ale Cajo. Cajo wasn't perfect either, but it sounds like this is now a competition for the Will linebacker spot leading into the weekend. So I'll I'll definitely be interested to see who starts Saturday. Yeah, look, I mean, we talked about from week one that there's going to be some expected struggles, you know, at these positions with these young young players. But now that it's here, uh, it's not as well received as I thought it would be. And regardless, I think you need this competition anyways to keep it healthy for later in the season. Mm -hmm. You know, God forbid. It's only going to make them better. But yeah, definitely not a uh, highlight reel uh, weekend for uh, Christian Harris. It was not. But look, remember game one. Caho came in, he played fullback in the goal line packages. And, <laughs> the old and, Mac Jones package. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the <laughs> Mac Jones package. <laughs> but when he was asked about it, remember we talked about this, he really embraced that role. Yeah. And he thought it could lead to more opportunities if he just did what was asked of him and he was willing to fill in wherever he was needed. Now, fast forward two weeks, and he could start at will on Saturday. So sort of with the recent departures with guys who, who didn't get playing time immediately, 
uh, and not just at Alabama, but really everywhere in college football, in college football right now, guys that didn't get to play immediately when they stepped on campus and they leave. I feel like this is kind of a testament to Caho. He was a former five-star recruit. He was the top inside linebacker in the country, and he was passed up by a true freshman that had never played linebacker before. So he filled in and embraced that role at fullback. He did what the coaches asked of him, and now he, he may have earned a larger role less than halfway through the year. Absolutely. This is exactly what they've been telling him probably since day one, mm-hmm. is just keep your nose down, do what the hell you need to do, and it'll come. And it's no better time for him to get that chance when you have a down game like that because, again, I mean, I'm not overlooking Southern Miss, but this is sort of a tune-up game. Yeah, so. this, this is a sort of try them out and see, see who can play game. Yeah. Uh, there there were mistakes all around defensively. The 12 men on the field call during the interception play in the first quarter, that could, that really could have changed the trajectory of the entire game right there. That's a mistake that this defense cannot afford to make in the future. It took away really an important turnover at that moment in the game. I'm surprised uh, my dad didn't go ahead and just let one bust and, <laughs> and you know, one of them big old veins in his forehead. I mean, my God. Yeah, that, that was absolutely terrible. I mean, that's the kind of just sloppiness that you expect from maybe a first-year coach or a complete, you know, overhaul staff, but not in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've look, they've taken their lumps. They're going to continue to take their lumps, if I'm guessing. But overall, if you kind of sit back and look at big picture, they've given up 36 total points in three games. South Carolina scored a garbage-time touchdown, which they South Carolina blew some opportunities, too. Uh, oh, yeah. So, like you said, that score wasn't truly indicative. But, uh, look, New Mexico State scored some late points as well. All in all, it could be a lot worse than giving up 12 points per game. Yeah, but where's the fun in that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we like to have something to complain about. I mean, seriously. I mean, look, we are the red, number one biggest homers on Reddit, so we got to live up to it and just always <laughs> complain right. about something. So. <laughs> Uh, last thing defensively, we, we've had heard some promising things on Christian Barmore. He, he's looked really disruptive to me when he's had opportunities. He, he's obviously suspended for the first <laughs> half this week after his targeting, targeting call, but do you expect him to have a larger role soon? Cause well, I do. I, I do. Yeah. I was about to say, and I, I think whether we like it or not, there's going to be a chance for playing time anyways to have a larger role. <laughs> yeah. No joke. Yeah. When there's, there's no defenders left on the roster cause they're all in, the ICU. Or yeah, whatever. this is going to be the most unfortunate recruiting material for this season <laughs> with the number of freshmen that are going to be playing. I mean, shit, I think we're 13 played last week alone. So, yeah, you know, look, it it's not going to be riding the bench in Alabama anymore. Hell no, it's going to be laying on the bench because your damn <laughs> legs hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be come to Alabama because everybody ahead of you on the depth chart is going to be yeah. injured by game three. Yeah, you got bad knees in Georgia and bad ankles here in Alabama. So, I mean... <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I, look, I think we're going to see his name called more and more as the season goes on. But that that targeting call, that was rough. Like, <sighs> let me ask you this. I, I get the targeting rule. Like, I understand they want to keep guys safe. I understand a lot of older guys are going through things with their health. They're trying to prevent that. I support that. But is it time for tiers or, or like, levels when it comes to targeting? Like, Christian Barmore was very, very clearly – not malicious when he hit the quarterback. His intent was not to harm. He didn't launch. It wasn't dirty. Should that rule be changed? Like it, To me, it should still be a penalty, but maybe it's like a level one targeting. If you get another one, you're gone. Uh, and then if you launch yourself at someone and it was 
preventable or if you hit someone in the head and it was dirty or malicious, there was a malicious intent behind it, give them a level two targeting and eject them. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it could be something similar to, you know, against a, a penalty against a defender on a punter. You know, there's a five yard and then there's a personal foul, 15 yard on that first down. So I think you could do things like that. But they, they've proven since the first year and how stupidly they did it to where there was no review. It's automatic, no overturning it. You know, they've come a long way. I think they're willing to work and tweak it. But I don't know. At the end of the day, I, it's seeing some plays like that. And then you look at the Broncos and Bears this past weekend, and the roughing the pass where they got called in that game that wasn't even bad. You know, I, I feel like Randy Marsh from South Park. I just want to take my shirt off and try to fight everybody. Like, this is America. <laughs> like, what the hell, man? Like, come on. Yeah. A lot of people feel like that, though. But all targeting penalties shouldn't be equal because they, they are just not the same across the board. And, the, of course, this is a classic case of something mattering or, or wanting a change when it affects you. Are you damn right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. seriously. But, <laughs> but I think a lot of people are tired of the, t- the targeting thing, and it's changing games. Well, not even just the targeting thing, though, from coming out of this weekend. I'm tired of these SEC refs, too. I mean, my God, what the hell was up with this crew this weekend? It was rough. It was a rough weekend for them. They missed – so, and look, of course, uh, Gary was harping on the non-review touchdown that should have been mm-hmm. reviewed or whatever. But look, Muschamp had multiple timeouts, and yeah. he decided to run a hurry-up. Like, he thought that was more important than calling a timeout and reviewing or challenging that play. Yeah. All I know is if uh, you come away still after this past weekend's game of believing Bama gets all the calls, buddy, I don't know. You wave hello to Stevie Wonder for me. So uh, make sure y'all actually get your checks in this week, though. Yeah. What are you looking for this weekend in the Southern Miss game? Oh, man, I'll take any type of consistency in the trenches on the offensive side. I mean, let's get something figured out on four of the five positions because, you know, we got cornbread coming back next week. So Mm -hmm. I'd like to see some younger guys starting to rotate in on that defensive line, too, sticking in the trenches. You know, let's start getting them some snaps as well. Yep. More offensive line consistency, maybe some consistency running the ball on a team that you should be able to run the ball on. Uh, and then the the Caho and Christian Williams, like who, who's going to start? How does the starter play? I'm sure they're. I would assume they're both going to play. Uh, this is a big week for both of them because that that could determine who's going to start. You know the Ole Miss game. Yeah, no, I mean it is. I mean this is where you're going into your fourth week. I mean truly to me, week four and week five, that's when you really know who's separating from whom. And that's when you really should start putting trust into who's ranked anywhere or where on the depth chart for each team, things like that. So this is where the uh, first rotation, the first team, they separate themselves from the rest. This has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.